Yo, what it do, baby? This your boy, Chapo. Hey, man, what's going on, everybody? This your boy, Sav. And we are the Chop It Up Podcast Show. Man, yes, indeed, man. Make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel, man. Follow us on Apple Music, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Man, you know what it is. It's Chop It Up Podcast Show. Let's go! Yo, 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 yo. What it do? What's going on? What's going on? What's up, America? I'm Chapo. And it's your boy, Sav. And we are the Chop It Up Podcast. Man, we are in season two, back again with another episode. And we got some fire content for y'all today. We got a very special guest that we like to bring in today. I want y'all to give a big round of applause for my girl, Miss Curry Pierce. What it do, Miss Curry? What's up, guys? How y'all doing today? We good. We doing <laughs> amazing. Man, it's good to see you again. It's like I just seen you. <laughs> How you man. doing today? I'm doing good. No, doing that's good. good. That's yeah. good. Man, we're gonna have a great show today. Got okay. a lot of energy. I've been drinking, so we don't know okay. how this shit gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh man, it's it's good to see you again. It's, I know it's been a while. We uh we connected at Lisa's event. Right. Shout out to the Love Network. Yes. Um so interesting thing, America, you know, we met Miss Curry doing another podcast and now she's on our podcast. So yes. um very pleased to have you. Very, here. very grateful to be here. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Well we'll go ahead and hop into it. So for those that don't know, uh, we just want to get a little background about your story. So if you okay. can start off just by telling us who you are and where you're from, just a little bit about yourself. Okay. My name is uh Curry Pierce. Um I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. I moved to Dallas back in 2002, um, just for better opportunity. Um, and I began my career at Geico. I was a underwriter and worked in claims. About 2008, a friend of mine um, was starting his own business and needed assistance. And at the time, that's when the mortgage crisis kind of um, it's did the what first it, recession. Yeah. <laughs> the, first, yeah. the one that didn't tell us about the PPP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so at that point, um, I moved on to another insurance company from Geico, and I was laid off. And so during that time, that's when Obama was just in office. So that's when he, he was really, you know, blessing us with the unemployment and stuff. So because of that and child support and different things I had going on, I was able to kind of take a break to kind of make, you know, kind of decide where I want to go from there. So I started to assist my friend with his business for two years, and we did pretty well. It was, he started a, a small tax firm in Dallas that primarily um, was attracted to the Hispanic community okay. in the areas. And so um, we, I worked with him for two years, and then from there I ventured on to start my own. And I started that in 2010. So I've been having my own uh, firm for about four, yeah, we're going into our 14th year. I believe wow. it is. Over a decade. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. Dope. So right now we currently have two locations with that business um, uh, uh, on Lombardi, and then we have one in the Bishop uh, Arts District in okay. Oak Cliff off of um, Polk and Jefferson. Okay. Okay. And so from there, maybe about two or three years later, I went ahead and incorporated my insurance brokerage firm. And so we also provide auto, health, life, homeowners, renters. Uh, we also do surety mines. We also offer insurance on the commercial side as well, workman's comp, uh, commercial auto, trucking insurance for truck drivers, all of that. Um, 
then in about 2015, I decided I wanted to go into the auto business, and I started my company, Rapido Motors. Um, I got my auction license, and then two or three years later, I got my finance license. And then I actually got a physical location back in 2019. And so that's the third location that I have in Irving. And we've, I've been doing that um, yeah, since 2015, so that's Rapido Motors. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to get me a car. <laughs> Hey, Showing up boss shit. Real talk. Man, that's dope. So what brought you to Dallas? My, I have an older sister who um, she moved to Dallas like in the late 80s after she graduated college. So like when I was like a preteen, teenager, we would always come out here to visit her like in the summers. And then my younger sister actually moved out here in 2020. Okay. And like I said, um, I graduated. I went to Dillard University. Okay. And I graduated in 2000. Shout out to Dillard. Shout out D. to Dillard. <laughs> So after college, I tried to get jobs in New Orleans. And even prior to Katrina, New Orleans just wasn't, um, you know, a, a city that really could, you, unless you knew people or you were in politics, it was just really hard to advance economically at that time. And so um, my sister was like, why don't you come out here? She came to visit for Essence. And she was like, I really think you need to come and give Dallas a try. And I was like, okay. So in August of 2002, I just made, like, literally in a weekend, I just told my sister she was coming to pick up her son from visiting. And I was like, what if I packed my stuff up and just jumped in the car and went to Dallas, you know? Just left. And she was like, why not? And then that's how I got to Dallas, August 5th. Man, yeah. <laughs> best decision you ever made. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't take it back. <laughs> That's about the forty-fifth thousand person. That said. <laughs> man, it's just you just gotta go out on faith, man. Right, take a chance. Right, and I don't get me wrong, I love New Orleans, and it's very hard to leave. It's home. It's, it's very hard to leave. I've heard that. It's, it's very hard, hard to leave. leave. I've it's heard that. So for people, especially anybody who left prior to Katrina, it probably was really a, a hard decision for people, to, most people, to make. Because even a lot of my friends who came after Katrina, a lot of them just went right back because they just wanted to go back to what they knew. And, I, and like, you know, I, I experienced Katrina. I was in Gulfport, Biloxi area. But I know when I had migrated to, like, central Mississippi after Katrina, a lot of people from New Orleans were migrating to Mississippi and, like, Houston. Mm -hmm. I know, like, Houston is, like, oh, yeah. second New Orleans. There's yeah. so many people, <laughs> you know, that's out there. But uh, how was Katrina the experience for you? So I was already here. Um, you know, like I said, I moved here in 2002. The crazy thing, I was very homesick because like, it's very hard to leave. And so I was trying to figure out how could I get back to New Orleans. Well, I was working at Geico at the time, and I was in underwriting. And the only... Um, a way I would be able to transfer is if I went into claims because that's the only office they had gotcha. in New Orleans. So I was trying to get into the claims department so I could figure out a way to get back to New Orleans. And then mm. Katrina happened. And so when Katrina happened, my entire immediate family, like my mom and all my sisters and brothers who, who were still living out there, they actually moved to Dallas. So once that happened... There no point. Going yeah, there wasn't no point here. in going back. And so I always said that that was the universe stopping me from going back when that, you know, not Katrina, but just the way things happened. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's crazy. But when it happened, it was like, it was crazy because we had just had a scare the year before. And, you know, I don't know if you were a part of that when they thought it was a major storm, and but everybody went right back. That's why a lot of people no, didn't... I didn't know that. Yeah, it was just the year before during hurricane season, my family had came down 
and everything was fine and they were able to go back. So when Katrina happened, we were thinking this is gonna be the same yeah. thing. We were like you know, cry wolf type. Yeah, of thing. well yeah. yeah, like, oh y'all coming up here for a weekend, we're gonna have a party. Like they literally just left with a few clothes thinking, Yeah, we'll go up there for the weekend. Then go, yeah. And that's why a lot of people didn't even, didn't leave for Katrina because they were like, Well, when we left because one of my uh, sisters, her and her family didn't leave because she said, Well, last year when we came out there, we spent so much money and then we had to come right back, so we're just gonna stay and that's how they ended up staying. Man, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, man, Katrina is definitely. That's it, one for the books. But, but even like when in the last season, talking with Wayne, like when Wayne brought it up about Katrina, like yeah. he just kind of gave him that extra push he needed. Yep. You know yeah. What I'm saying it just popped out. Into, right. I don't think he really looked back. Right. That, so. My family didn't. My mom, you know, at the time, uh, she's she's passed now, but my mom at the time, let me see, that was 2005. She had to be, like, I think, 65 at the time. And um, she was still, she's still working. She was a nurse. Mm -hmm. And when she got out here, she was like, if I would have known, you know, she was just amazed at the opportunity that they had out mm -hmm. here and the job she was able to get and the amount of money she was able to she make. Out of yeah. <laughs> That's what she was like. I got say. my money. <laughs> I was gone. Yeah, when my family came, they immediately just started looking for apartments and they just went to getting jobs. They didn't even wait on anything. No, nah, that's mm -hmm. dope, man. Mm -hmm. You was able to get your family out here and yeah. experience that. So, yeah. kudos to you. So, you said you were an underwriter for Geico. Geico. Mm -hmm. You are the first underwriter <laughs> that I met. Like, you really like the plug. Like, and they say, really, I'm the plug. I'm the plug. <laughs> but you was determining. Yes, and if, if, if your rate was going to be increased or if we were going to drop you or, you know, I was that person. That yeah. looked so, okay, so now that we got a real insurance person here. So that's why yeah, I need to talk to you. So let's, give, let's shed a little light on, like, how does okay. that work? Because I was shopping for insurance. I had USAA stuff mm -hmm. went up. They was like, yeah, the area you live in, that's why yeah. your rate going up. Well, shit, I ain't had no accidents. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, because what people don't realize what insurance is, is like, okay, all of us in this room, right, we're putting into a pot. All of us are putting, say all of us are putting in equal amount of money into this pot, mm -hmm. right? But say, you know, you tend to have to go into the pot a lot more often than we do or whatever. So that's why your rate is going to go up. So if you're in an area where that particular area, a lot of people are going into this pot, because you have some people who have insurance for years and never make a claim. So just that's think about me. I've never <laughs> had an accident. So, so My stuff still going, going up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do they got like a list to say ain't shit happening over here? Like, can I get that list? That's what I need. Y'all pretty much go out like the geography of everything. Yeah, right? they take in a lot of statistics, um, just constantly, you know, bringing in data. So because rates, people people don't understand. Like they'll think it's you know, especially when I used to work in customer service and first started, and when you don't really know stuff, you know, know anything about insurance, people are thinking the company is raising your rate. Well, sometimes the rate rating uh, insurance is heavily regulated by the state. Uh, so if they're having increases, then the companies have to spread that man, increase. The, yeah. the issue is them people from Los Angeles and California. They you think that's what here. it is? They can't drive. They're not used to this. It's not, I don't even think it's that. I just think it's too many damn people out here. Right. It is. They should have been in Dallas And I'll tell you one thing that Texas has a big problem with is a lot of, uh, you know, in Texas, you don't even have to have a driver's license to get a car. What? Oh, yeah. You don't have to have a driver's license. You don't even have to Time have a driver's Turn the hell out. So I can just walk in the Yeah, you don't have to. I'm, I'm, I'm LeBron James, and I just want to 
just wanted oh, to get a G wagon in my name. So <laughs> as long as your credit good. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How, so how can y'all confirm? And I'm, I'm, a, I'm probably a dumb question, but for people who don't know, mm-hmm. how how can you confirm my age and all of that? Well, I mean, you have to have some form of ID. So would that be like a birth certificate? Or um, like a library card. It just depends Damn. on the company. So for you, like I was telling you guys, most of my client base is of the Hispanic. Uh, descent. Yeah. And so we insure some of the non-resident, well, non-resident aliens, those who are here and they're probably not legal. And they have what they call matricular IDs or passports, just something saying that there's somebody with a date of birth and they can get insurance. Man. They can get insurance, but they can or cannot get a car. They can get a car. That's crazy. So what's the catch? <laughs> Jeez. I wonder if it worked like well, the that the opposite is, way around. The if catch I go is their there. insurance is crazy. Like their insurance oh, okay. is the high. Price, the price yeah, is yeah. The case. We go. But I say that to say because that is so heavily populated here, especially in Dallas, that's why the, sometimes the cost is spread to the other drivers as well. Man, I just need to know what area I need to be in. To get Your ass need to when be I moved 30 here, minutes away from the city. When I moved here, my rate was good, and then I switched over, and they was like, yeah, so you're in a high-volume area, and then that number they gave me, I'm still looking at it mm-hmm. weird <laughs> three years later. You know, so. Yeah. Nah, that's dope, though. So with your business now, just kind of just dive into, like, um, just some of the avenues that you've been successful with that, you know, you've kind of went through okay. and helped grow your business. Well, I could tell you this. Um, and even a lot of people who know me, you know, the tax business can be real popular, you know, among people because they think it's a business. You, you, about to, you about to get paid now, girl. It's January, not a W-2 about to drop. That's right. right. No, that's a big right. Um, but we were talking earlier before we started the podcast, and we were yeah. talking about when there's a lot of people in the industry that you're working in, you, the thing is you have to find that thing that makes you stand out or make you different that will attract the customer base that you need or keep you successful. Because, like, you know, everybody's popping up with a firm, a tax firm, every you know, especially during tax season. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I feel that kept us different and why my client base grew and why I'm able to stay open is because I made sure that the people in my office, that if something were to happen to my software, all of my um, people that I train, all the employees that work for me, they can do a tax return from scratch. You know, they can oh, do a handwritten okay. one. Um, so they understand how to do taxes. A lot of times, a lot of these people who are opening up tax offices, they may not even really know <laughs> much about tax oh, law. <laughs> they just know how to manipulate software to get the numbers that they need. So I make sure that the individuals that work with me, that they're in a, uh, that has been one of the biggest plus, too, with us getting customers because we stay open all year round. And a lot of these people who pop up, you know, yeah, like you said, right now, from January to May, May, money is going to be good. But see, when money comes in and then, you know, they start running down to maybe one customer per day or two customers, a lot of these offices will close up because they've made all their money and they're gone, doing to, going off to the next thing. We they can come see y'all in, in October right. when they came file yeah, on time. Right, <laughs> or if they get an audit letter or a letter from the IRS or if they're being held up because they just need to verify their identity and that their tax preparer is not answering the phone because they've already closed, closed their office. A lot of times we get those customers that way because they can always contact us. Hey, I know and that, that ain't no good feeling. <laughs> yeah. Sam always just be calling for Sam blocked on my phone. He ain't even my uncle. Sam, <laughs> Sam blocked on my phone. But I wanted I wanted to ask, <clears throat> going from a, a regular nine to five and then branching out into mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur, right? Um, kind of break down that mindset on 
being ready, being prepared to kind of just say, okay, I'm going to take a leap of faith. I'm going to leave mm-hmm. that and I'm going to do my own thing. Were you kind of scared? Was there any sense right. of doubt in the process starting up? So I think I, when I very, very first met you guys and mm-hmm. we did the podcast with Lisa, I always speak on this because mm-hmm. I always want to be honest and transparent with yeah. people. Like I said, I just kind of was in a good situation where I could mm-hmm. take that leap of faith. Now, I was, trust me, you know, when I was laid off, of course, my mentality was, you know, okay, you need to get your resume together, get back out, out there and start trying to get you another job. And then my mom was the one who came to me and she was like, you know, you're getting your unemployment, you got your child support, you know, she's like, you know, I'll help you, why don't you take your time? And then that's when I thought about it, I said, well, let me see how, how this is going to go with working for my friend. Um, and I kind of just jumped into it, but when I went into it, I went into it with the mindset of, as if it was a nine to five, you know, not just, okay, today I'm going to do this. There, you know, because even when we opened the office, like we opened around this time in January, the very first office, there was nobody walking in. And so, you know, a lot of the girls who were working with me, they'd be like, well, nobody's here today. We're going to leave. Uh, I mean, nobody's coming in and they were ready to close early. And I was like, we can't. We have to act as if we know you have to put it out there that you're expecting to have customers. So we're going to act like we expect 30 people to walk in here today. I don't care if nobody walks in. We're going to open the doors from 9 to whatever time we have on the on the door, we're gonna go out there and pass out flyers. How and many I just, employees did you have when you first started? Um, when I first started, about three. Okay. Yeah. And that was, you know, at the time he was funding everything, so I was able to, you know, kind of maneuver based on with the help of him. So when I got ready to start my own, I already had the blueprint because I had learned from him. Mm. So really, just kind of getting under somebody and. That's right. already like in an entrepreneurship space right. instead of a corporation really helps out a lot. But I will say this, you know, um, and I don't want to discourage anybody or make it seem like it's a special sauce you have to have. But over the years of doing this and different people coming to work for me and people telling you, you know, I want to do my own thing or, you know, I want to start my own business. I will say this, everyone that I know who has been successful as an entrepreneur or working for themselves, it is a mindset that I think that is inside the person. I don't, I'm realizing, yeah, I'm realizing, Eric, you could, Eric, this ain't cut out there have been times, you know, because I started out my business with a lot of my family and my friends working for me. And in the beginning, beginning, it was what the business needed at the time. But when I was ready to evolve and make changes and go to the next thing, it was hard for some of those people because they didn't have the mindset. But I assumed that they did because I was like, y'all been under me all these years, you know, y'all should want to, they, you should want to be doing everything I'm doing. You should want to get your own office or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put everybody on. Everybody going to be able to be these bosses. And, Don't be like that. And it wasn't like that at all. You know, you know, yeah, I run across a few people where you could, t- and, and that's what I'm saying, when you, you can tell when that it's in an individual from the way they're speaking, the things that they're saying. I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to discourage anybody who may feel like they may not have those qualities. But every time I run across someone who's been successful at doing their own thing and being able to maneuver without having to, have, you know, do what society expects them to do or, you know, they just have that, that thing inside of them. You got to have a go-getter mentality. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a big thing, man. You know, that mindset 
changes everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had my. Uh, I tell this story to people. It was funny because another friend of mine, who I'm friends with on Facebook, I haven't seen him since we probably were like in third grade. But how I remember him is we. I started my very first business with him in the third grade. Damn. And so you know, from New Orleans, it's funny. This is <laughs> what was the name of the business? So we're not gonna laugh. So you know, we're from New Orleans, so we have Mardi Gras, so Mardi right. Gras beads. So we have my. When you live in New Orleans, you have Mardi Gras beads like every. Even at my house here in Dallas, Mardi Gras beads be like everywhere. Cause my mom used to uh, ride the float, so you know you see them everywhere. So we used to make little like puppies out of the Mardi Gras beads, and we would sell them at the at school for like a penny, and these kids would buy them. And so we called it. Uh, I think the name of my company was called Cup. Puppy oh or whatever, and we were selling them, and we were doing good. And then another little boy tried to open up one, and it was like our competition, and we were having like a race. So then, you know, the third grade. <laughs> That's a real hustler, everybody. So She's been hustling since the third grade. <laughs> so then, this is I'm gonna show my age on this one. So I caught chicken pox. I don't know if y'all. I okay. had this year. <laughs> I caught chicken I ain't pox. Ain't around no more. And I left. Uh, had to leave, be out of school for two weeks, and my business went to the ground when right. I. <laughs> Damn. But it was funny because it was three of us who started it, and all three of us, the the now that we're grown, all, yeah, all you know, he uh, he has a job, but he does have, he's always doing something outside of it on on his own. And so, my also I have another friend named Mary, and she started her own practice. It was just funny to me to see how just from that we all kept that mindset. Nah, that's dope, and to yeah. be able to keep up with yeah. somebody from the third grade. Yeah, you know, I don't even think. I have contact with nobody. From <laughs> it was through fake because of Facebook and you know just different things like that. All you gotta do is go in your book. Bro, and I, 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 I have one year book and it's from the seventh grade and <laughs> that's it. I don't even. I can't even tell you who I went to school with in third grade. I don't know nobody. I just always had a good long term, not short term memory. Like I, I'll spend three hours looking for my keys, but I can tell that's you who typical. my third grade teacher was. That's typical. <laughs> that's typical. Man, I don't remember no teacher. <laughs> nah, nah, facts. I don't remember none of them folks. I don't remember nobody. Was, hey, I, I appreciate their efforts, but I don't remember none. You know, most people say I was an A student, I was a C student. You know, because the, the way I looked at it was. The degree don't say what your grades were. It right. just say the degree. Right. So I didn't give a fuck if I got out with right. all D's. Whatever we had to do to get that piece of paper. I ain't going to lie. Speaking on that, I don't know why people, and this is just my take. I don't see, like, if anybody was to get out of college to put your... What your GPA was. Nobody right. cares a fuck about that. Yeah, Nobody like, has even ever asked to see my degree. Yeah, ever. <laughs> I realized that Facts, that like, GPA stuff, you know, in school is is good, but like in our full time job, I hired a lot of people doing right. interviews. Oh, 3.9, 3.8. These folk dumb in hell. Right. <laughs> yeah, real talk. Right. Dumb hell. Right. That's why I was telling somebody I look at school differently from my kids. And sometimes I don't like to share this with people because I don't want them looking at me crazy. No, I, agree. I was just like, you know, I don't, I, I try to tell my kids, you know, go to school, do well. Do what you have to do to get this piece of paper that society says that you that have you to need. get. To, you don't even yeah. really need it no more, <laughs> right. according to right. these new surveys they're doing. Right. But I, I'm not going to let a, a piece of paper with a bunch of grades on or letters tell me how smart my child is. Because right. my youngest son, that boy got more common sense than a lot of grown people I know. And he just don't like school. And he would tell you, I don't like school. And he already knows when he's going to school that he doesn't plan on doing anything. See, that's, <laughs> at least he got it made up early. I ain't 
don't know what you know. Cleaning that big ass up. I would die. Getting up every day just going to class because they said come. <laughs> like, yeah, when you get this degree, you're going to be able to, like, mm hmm, mm hmm. Yeah, nah. They, it's the, the education thing is totally different from, right. from what it was, for sure. They need to start a program, and Biden need to fund it. Sell your degree back to the school. <laughs> student. So you want to get rid of these loans, Biden? I got an idea. Call me now. He don't I got care. For you now. He don't care. <laughs> that shit ain't going to never happen. Man, and think about it. If you could just no. take your degree back to the school. And Hell like, no. Huh? And they 40000 wiped out. You done wasted their damn time. all that shit up there, they can have it. I'd have charged extra interest on your ass. <laughs> just to come cool, up I'm just saying you just pay the interest. You can get rid of the, the principal and just pay the interest. Hmm. That is a deal. Ain't nobody finna take that shit serious. Man, you a lie. Shit. I guarantee you right now that that will get us out this. They get us off this black wall. That's why they're not gonna. That's do gonna it. send our ass to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking with you. <laughs> but nah, nah, Curry. So, um, wrap it on mar- uh, motors, motors, right? Yeah. Okay. First of all, let me say this on on here live for everybody watching. To be a, a black woman. In today's yeah. time, and to have uh, whether it's it's a smaller one or a big one doesn't yeah. matter, but to have a a dealership is dope. Yeah. So kudos to you. Thank for you sure. very much. I gotta give you yeah. flowers. <laughs> that you. shit is hard. Also to add to that, this nigga been looking for you for the last six months. <laughs> I told you. He on camera. I told you. Say every episode we do afterwards. He said, "Hey, you can get that girl we had on Lisa thing. I can't find her name, but I need you to look for her." I told. I told you. That nigga been looking for you for six months. I said, "Man, let me go look at this flyer and see what this lady name was." I was adamant. I said, "People need to hear that." find you. Then I said, Lisa, let me get on Lisa Page. I looked at the Instagram of the flyer. She tagged everybody. Okay. I was just clicking on folks. I said, nah, I know them. I know. Bam, there she go. <laughs> he was yeah. like, he texted me one day. He said, I found her. I said, who? He said, I said, uh, Curry. I said, oh, for real? Oh, yeah, let's run that it. Man was yeah. so, I'm telling you, literally, that nigga been looking for you since August. Thank <laughs> he you. He been yeah, looking for the show. Cause, Thank you. Because you know how when we do our episodes, right, we always be trying to figure out, like, okay, how can we push it? Right, you know, who, different I, avenues. Yeah, stuff right. just different had. people to tap in because you don't want to be repetitive. She get old, right? right? You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right. so when I said, man, if we could find her, I said, man, that'd be great because it just give a different mindset. Because the thing is, what, what you see on the on YouTube and, and and just on social media, period, you don't you don't see a lot of woman empowerment. When right. it comes to uh, entrepreneurship, all the time. No offense to women now, but typically, ideally, you see like the nail shop, yeah. hair, you know, stuff like that, or just real estate, which is nothing wrong with that. Right, right. But you don't see the, the 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 women that's tapping into a male dominant right. industry as car dealerships. So for you to just get your foot in the door is dope. Right. So, right. Um, so I was going to ask, cause like I said, I was going to ask you um, anyway, um, if you could break down, how do you even get your cars? On the lot to sell to your customers. Okay, so when I first started, you know, I just was doing cash. I got my 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 auction license, mm-hmm. and so the license is enough for you to actually go to the auction and start buying cars. So I was just starting out with cash cars here and there and selling them. Um, so at the time, I'm using a lot of my own money. So I was kind of just kind of really making sure I stayed under five thousand because you know I'm thinking to myself, how much cash will people have on hand to buy cash cars so I can flip these cars? Mm-hmm. Kind I started out that way, but so as I started to get involved in the business, and that's what I'm going to say, um, it's crazy how, like, you can start off with just one thing, because I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm just going to get this auction license and sell a few cars here and there, but as you start to get into a, a, a 
a field or an industry, you start to just gather more and more information. So then I learned what a floor plan was, um, that you can actually buy cars on credit and you can buy the, you know, the more expensive cars, you know, to get them financed. And I was like, well, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like you said, like, well, I'm just a small dealership. But I'm like, well, no, they, uh, this guy's like, you can fill out the application just like you're, he was like, you're considered to be a Texas licensed dealer. You have the, uh, the capabilities as long as you qualify to get, you know, get financing. You know, you just have to make sure you have the credentials. Mm -hmm. So I started to look into that. And that's when from there I went ahead and got my finance license through the um, Office of Consumer Credit Counseling. I mean, Office of Consumer Credit. It's OCCS. That's how you go about uh, getting because that's also where you go when you're trying to set up like check cashing places. Anything having to do with credit, mm -hmm. financing, running people's credit, you have to go through this department to get a, get a license because mm -hmm. you have to pass certain stipulations because you know you're going to be handling people's information right, right. and stuff like that so once I got into that and I was able and I saw that I got approved and I got it just like I'm like okay wow what was that feeling like um <laughs> like when you saying did they send you a letter or you got an email yeah, you, well, you'll get an email or you and then they'll follow up with a letter but it's just like okay I got that thing now I can go to the next thing so then it was, the next thing was acquiring a floor plan and that's them giving you a line of credit so that you can go purchase cars so at that point I'm like okay so this is how you make the real money you know cash cars are fine but I can go buy a car for about 15,000 turn around and sell it for 20000 you know, get it financed and get all my money up front from the finance company, not having to make... Well. So the dealer, the <laughs> finance companies pay you as soon as the loan is done. Yeah, once the loan is closed, they, different it's ones... It's just like credit Yeah. It's just like credit Yeah, different ones have different... Yeah. yeah different, <laughs> different, yeah. Different ones have different, you know, guidelines as to when they'll pay you. Some will pay you as soon as you get the approval and send over the docs. Some, you have to wait until you go get the title and transfer it over to them. But if you do everything you're supposed to and you have a process. You pay within that week, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Now, she cashed out, and then she probably, you know, do her little cut, and then yeah. she just reinvest back into the business. Yeah. And do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine how that, that feels. Yeah. yeah, come on <laughs> and, in. You want some water? But it's one of those things that when you're doing it, you're not realizing, you know, because even to hear you guys say what you said, I I didn't realize, like, how big of a deal it was, you know, because I'm just doing it. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm completing paperwork. I'm getting these licenses. I'm, bring, you know, getting people to come work for me with the cars. And a, a lot of salesmen would come to work for me. And it was some guys that I had met, some older black men who had worked for Clay Cooley. And they came, you know, they were like, you got a dealership? And they were like, oh, okay, we're going to come check it out. So when they came and they saw everything I had, that I had the software, that I had the licenses, that I had everything um, in place to, you know, to, as a used car dealership. And they were like, and you never sold cars before. You just did all of this, went and got these licenses. You know, this was, he was like, man, I've been doing this for 30 years and I've never even done it. I've just always been a salesman. See so, what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, a, it's a mindset. But that mindset yeah. was never to think bigger yeah. than yeah. just selling the car. Yeah. So he was, they would be very impressed with me, you know, and I wasn't, I was like, dang, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. Mm. You know, but there's also been some like, you know, downsides because being a woman, it is hard. Uh, even like going, one time I went to the title place, there were times when they wouldn't believe it was my dealership. They thought I was trying to commit fraud. Because they were oh, like, yeah. they were like, you're the owner. And it was a black woman who did it to me. You mm -hmm. got, you, tell us what she did. And that's crazy. Because her mindset ain't there. Yeah. She probably don't know the possibility that right. they can be taken. You know, they, they can uh, actually happen. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, no, that shit right. hard. That shit dope. Man, that is crazy. You really lie here living the dream. <laughs> that's big, though. Like, yeah, kudos to. to you on that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I know one person that owns a car dealership. 
back home in Jackson, you are the second person. Okay. <laughs> so that is definitely big. That is definitely big. You you had said something about um, what was it? Uh, it was off camera. You had mentioned it like if you wanted, like if a person came up to you and said, "Hey, I want this car." Yeah. Right. Um, and you said that you can go through the auction. Right? right. So hypothetically speaking, let's just say myself comes up to you and says, "Hey, look, I want this Range Rover." I can get it. Right. You can mm-hmm. get it. Right. Right. But how do you ensure that you're not wasting your time? So what I you see, what I'm saying. So I used to do that in the beginning. Right, like right, people right. would say, I want this, and you know, especially when you start because you're, you're hungry. So you're like, I'll do it. And you'll spend. I even went through a, uh, a situation where I actually went and even got the car for someone. Damn. They were like, I'm looking for this car for my uh, husband. He really wants this, and I'm showing her different ones. I'm like, you sure you want this one? Because it's going to auction tomorrow, and we can get it. She was like, Yeah, I want to surprise him. Go ahead on and get it. We get the car. It was like a Dodge Ram or something. We get it. I get a text from her saying, he, I showed him a picture of the car, and he hates it. And I did that without getting any kind of deposit and any kind of, you Now know, you got to get that out on Yeah, the and so she backed out. I ended up being able to sell it eventually, but it is a lot of time that goes into searching for these, especially, like, when people want, because I told you there was a gentleman who wanted, wanted a Hellcat. Mm-hmm. Now, he was a good customer because he knew exactly what he wanted. He and he gave, yeah, yeah, and he gave me the deposit right then and there to go look for it. And when I came through, he, he had the cash money, 65000 cash that he came with the car. Yeah. yeah he went Yeah. He knew exactly so what that's what you have to do, you know, uh, get a deposit <laughs> to make no, sure. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So let me ask, have you ever had somebody come through with that uh, cash money mindset? They just come in with the bag and say, let me get one of them, <laughs> one of them, and get him to. No, I never had that. <laughs> not I you, not That's how I want to buy not me a yet. car. That's how I want to buy me a car. I was going to ask, do you, um, and you say you only have one dealership. Right yeah. Now. Okay. Do you plan on going into, like, Making it a little bit bigger, expanding other places. Or- yeah, I would like to, you know, get it to the point where like it's a name dealership, you know, like Rapido mm-hmm. Motors. Um, I'll tell you this: with the tax firm or the um, tax and financial services, that is actually my goal this year. I've been talking about this for about three years that I'm actually wanting to move into franchising. Because at first I was, <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because at first I was into this thing of opening all these offices on my own. And it's very difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult to hire employees. Like anything having to do with employees is really hard because you know you have to find people that are willing to come and you know give you the respect. It's hard too when you're a small business owner because it's like they want both sides of the fence. You know they want every when it comes to them and their pay and days off. They want you to act as if you're a corporate Walmart. All that, but then working in the office and being on the phone and all that, then it's then it's cool. We are here at Curry's place, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was like a little frustrated with that. I was like, I don't know if I can be able to open up all these locations and hire people. So I was like, How, what can I do? So I was like, a, a lot of people come to me and ask me about the tax business. I said, well, what if I did franchising where I created a brand? I put things in place because that's what we've been doing. I hired a business consultant about two or three years ago that put actual standard operational procedures in place so that if somebody wanted to open one, there's a whole manual that will guide them. So that's what I'm trying to move to with Rapid Financial. Yeah. You don't have to do the work. You already hear Exactly. And it's just with financial or is it just, is it going to be also too with? I guess it's something I can look into for the dealership as well. One of the things I was going to do on the motor side was I actually was going to create some type of process to assist people were getting their auction auction license or are giving them the blueprint to open up a dealership like an ebook maybe possibly or something Shit, like that. that yeah. yeah. So what would you say it costs to get your auction license? Just like um, overall. 
The only thing that's really, it's really not that expensive. The only thing that might be kind of pricey is you do have to get a surety bond. Um, for when I first started, it was only 25. I think now you got to get 50,000. And when you get a bond, it is based on your credit, so that could fluctuate. Because um, I've seen it where it's, you know when people come to because we sell surety bonds. And I've and seen, what, what is that? So it's just a bond that the state requires you to have if you know. Uh, if in case anything goes wrong or, you know, or you do something that's not ethical, then, you know, you have that bond to protect, you know, to protect, protect you financially. Mm. So it's like a, a lump sum of money that's just yeah. stashed well, away just Well, you case. don't have the money. It's credit. Yeah, it's, a, it's oh. almost like an insurance policy. Gotcha. gotcha. So like okay. a surety okay. bond, like if your credit is really good, a surety bond may only cost you, and it's, they last for the one that you have to get for your dealership license is two years. It may cost you maybe... Four hundred to six hundred dollars for the two years, but if your credit isn't that great, it could be anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred. So that's the only thing that's really pricey when you're going through that process. The actual application process, I think, is like, because now my uh, my sister, she kind of does everything for me every two years. But I want to say I think the basic fee just for licensing is about three hundred to four hundred dollars. So could you have an auction license without having a dealership? Like no, you do have to have a location. Gotcha. But the good thing is that you can have up to three licenses at one location. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I couldn't just go as a consumer and buy a car and call it a day. Mm-mm. At the auction, though, you have to have auction. So once you get your auction license, then you sign up for what's called auction access. And it gives you access to all the state, uh, you know, all the legit auctions in in the, well, yeah, in the state. Gotcha. Yeah. So what made you come up with the name Rapido Mode? <laughs> so that's another story. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, so, so like I said, I was working for my friend, and uh, he had, you know, he was calling his business another name. But I had, I was the one who actually put everything into place, like the name, set up everything. Well, when we um, ended terms, it wasn't on the best, uh, <laughs> it wasn't on the best, we weren't, you know, we were, you know, it was really bad. We, we got you. We got you. We were <laughs> so he put a cease and assist against me, so I had to come up with a name because I couldn't operate under no, his name. And so I was just like, dang, I got to come up with something. So I was just like, Rapido, Rapido Financial. And then that's how I thought of it. Yeah, quick. <laughs> <laughs> and I never wanted to call it like a, I was really strategic in not wanting to call it a tax business because in my mind, I just always knew I just didn't want to just do taxes. taxes. Mm. So I was really, uh, even with, the positions that I give my employees, I don't call them tax preparers. I call them customer Financial. service reps, you yeah. know, because I'm real intentional about that because I don't want them to be stuck thinking that they just do taxes. Nah, that's dope. Yeah. So Rapido for quick had to hurry. Yeah. Came up with it. And the financial cover you on the basis of anything yeah, dealing with money. exactly. Okay, that's dope. That's smart, too. That's smart. Not it is. Man, it's been a lot of good information, man. That shit, hey. I'm like, bro, I'm trying to tell you, hey. I hope people taking notes. I ain't lying. I ain't gonna, so, so let me ask you this. Okay. Um, if you could kind of rewind a little bit, what was some of the challenges that you faced early on to get yourself established to where you are now? I would say. In both fields. Okay. I would say one of the biggest um one of the biggest things that I, I you know, that I, I think I've um, resolved within myself is that I had a, a, a bad habit of not trusting myself. I would think a lot of people were smart, if smarter than me or that they would be able to, I don't know, I don't want to say smarter than me. Um, 
just trusting them, thinking that they would be able to to do things for me or, or, or show me how I needed to. I'll give you an example, like with the dealership. Like a, I, when I met those guys, the salesmen, they came in and they're like, we're going to come in and we're going to help you. And, you know, they were good salesmen, don't get me wrong. But what I realized is they were salesmen. They didn't really understand the business side. So I was allowing them to make decisions based on their experience in the business, but not really based on what their knowledge of was of the business. Mm-hmm. Like they knew the sales part. Like they knew their their goal was, you know, a sit, you know, we got to get somebody in that finance. Yeah, get some get somebody in here. Let's get this sale. Let's get it done. Moving so fast, but they didn't understand that working at a smaller dealership is a little different from Clay Cooley. For example, how you get paid. You know, Clay Cooley, you know, is sitting on millions of dollars. So if you sell a car, yeah, he can cut you a check the next day. I have to wait till funding comes in. I have to make sure that the customer doesn't default on their first payment because if they do, the finance company will come back and take the loan back, and I have to take the car back. So they, yeah. so okay, in Damn. your business, <laughs> okay. you gotta have one car note paid for it to be really stamped, and signed, so, and sealed. Sometimes two. Just depending on the, the the situation with the customers, uh, credit and all that, or even just depending on the stipulations with the the um, finance company. Some finance companies are cool with just one. Some are cool with two. Some are cool with none, depending on the customer. Gotcha. And in in financial, kind of did the same thing because I had a friend of mine who was working along with me, and I knew she was very organized, very good with administrative work and paperwork and stuff. But what I didn't realize is that didn't mean she was a go getter. And that didn't mean she had the mindset like I did. Mm -hmm. So I was allowing her because I felt like she was a little bit more organized than me to make, uh, influence me on a lot of decisions that really I kind of knew within myself, but I just didn't trust myself. So I would say that that was one of the biggest mistakes I made early on was just thinking, okay, I know, you know, I know I got the hustle to go and get this done, but maybe this person is a little bit smarter than me and can come in and they can show me. And what that's led to is some people not really being able to do that. And then some people coming in and taking advantage. Man. So what I would say is when you get into something, yeah, it's good to take advice and mentorship, but you got to learn that thing on your own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you know, uh, got to be learn, knowledgeable. To yeah, be yeah. You cannot you know your craft right. before you really say, okay, I'm going to be a boss in it. Right. Because it's hard to just say, do this, and then if they ask you a question, you don't really know exactly. your own business, then it's like. Or if you're allowing them, giving them certain responsibilities, and you're wondering why things are not happening, and they're just saying, oh, it's because such and such, such and such, or it's because. I couldn't get this email or, and you're thinking like okay they're telling me this but then when you get in there and you start doing it yourself you're like that's not true I was able to get this done today you know mm. so nah man that's definitely good information and for those watching learn your business <laughs> yeah and in, in, in 2023 <laughs> they brought it in and they standing on the 2024 stand on business I had to ask my son with that, man. I, I was like, what is this standing on business? I don't know what that is. Hey, we, we operating how we said we was going to operate, yeah. and ain't nothing else coming in between. Okay. Oh, okay. Standing I'm, on right. business. <laughs> well, Ms. Kerr, I know uh, you've been talking to us for a while. I know you got a busy schedule. Just got a few more questions yeah. for you. So uh, if you could just tell the viewers one thing that uh, you can just advise them to do with their business, you know, just something mm-hmm. that's to keep them motivated and influenced. What would those words be? I would tell people, like, I, the, you know, the first one, know your business. The second one, you know, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have, I've had 
Uh, over the last 14 years, I've had some val you know, some down in the valley moments where a lot of people may have would have given up. But you have, if it's something that you're passionate about, you have to stick with it. Um, understanding too that being a boss or owning a business doesn't mean okay, I'm the boss or I'm the uh, owner. I get to do whatever I want. That's not necessarily so. Yeah, you have, you can work your way up to a point where you can buy back your time and have a little bit more freedom. But however, you still like when I go, like I even tell my sister who works for me. If something were to happen, you can go get you another job paying what I pay you. If something happens to this business, I have to start all over and figure things out. So when I go home, the job doesn't end for me. I'm still constantly thinking, still constantly researching, still trying to figure out marketing, Instagram, just all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I tell people it's not as easy as, you know, when, you know, when people talk about the boss babes and boss life and all that stuff, I'm like, it's cool, but it's not, it's not a piece of cake. <laughs> It can be real stressful. So it can be stressful, but you just gotta stick with it. And you gotta be, you gotta be ready to handle it. Yeah. <laughs> nah, that's good information. And I think, uh, you know, going through those trials and tribulations really put you in the position that you're in today yeah. to be the boss that you are today. <laughs> so, kudos to you. Yeah. On that. I got one question. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I know in today's time, like with social media, we see these reels, right? Mm -hmm. And in these reels, it comes across as if a lot of this stuff that a lot of the success that we see is overnight mm -hmm. right so if you could kind of give a estimated time frame for you specifically on how long did it take for you to get to where you were to where you found success in your fields like year wise it yeah. take, you know what I mean because some people you see it online people say hey you know, you could be doing this, but you're too busy doing that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I guess for me, you know, and I don't mean, want to seem like a philosopher or anything. No, no, no. I guess for me, it just depends on what do you call success. Because I'll be True. honest with you, you know, um, and not knocking anybody because I like the best of the best. I've always been that way even before I became an entrepreneur. Like, I like, you know, my nice cars and all that stuff. But I don't know if that's, you know, you know, if you're saying the reels that they're creating, like, this is my life after being an entrepreneur. Is that really success? Because for me, success is... You know, when you feel fulfillment or you feel a purpose or you feel happiness and, you know, material things can't really bring that to you. So I'll say this for me, I'm just now feeling successful because mm -hmm. I'm feeling like I have a purpose now being able to share information with people, knowing that. Um, that I provide jobs for people that take care of families. And not only that, with my employees, I always encourage them. Like, I, if one of my employees were to go off and start their own firm, that would make me proud because I know I taught them that. So that's where I see success that. So I don't really see success in, even though, I, you know, I have a nice car and I have a home and, you know, and I, I enjoy the fruits of my labor, but I would say that there were times when I had those things and I wasn't really happy, you know. No, that's real. Yeah. That is real. <laughs> Gotta have a purpose. Everybody don't look at success like that. Yeah, you know? that's a fact. The, the ground would definitely uh, alter a lot of people's yeah. minds. Yeah, <laughs> and you have to be careful with that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, ma'am, Miss Curry, this has definitely been a pleasant experience to have you here to be able to talk about your business yeah, and learn fun. a little bit about yourself. Mm -hmm. We definitely going to have to bring you back for yeah. a part two uh, <laughs> to continue as we grow. Um, but before we get out of here, if you can shout your social media handles out. Okay. All right. My um, Rapido Financial, the Instagram is Rapido Financial. Uh, the Instagram is Rapido Financial. Rapido Motors is Rapido Motors. And then my personal Instagram is I am Curry Ryan. Okay. <laughs> well, Sam... Wrap us on up, my brother. <laughs> and we'll do a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> nah, man. Hey, everybody, we appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, make sure you follow and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you follow us on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. We are on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Man, you know what it is. It's the Chop It Up Podcast oh, show. And we, and we out, out baby. We out. <laughs>